Welcome to the Cubic Report podcast. Glad that you joined us today. Today we're going to talk about Sri Lanka, a country of 22 million people that's been in the news for the past five months. It's been going through a crisis economically, high inflation, super high inflation, shortages leading to high prices, and political unrest and even violence. I'd like to mention that today we have our guest, David Schreiber, who is a colleague and friend of mine, who is senior pastor of Sri Lanka. David, welcome to The Cubic Report. Well, thanks, Vic. It's good to be with you. Sri Lanka is not his only responsibility. He also oversees congregations in India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, and in the U.S., he is pastor of Ellendale, Minnesota. This is in southeastern Minnesota, La Crosse, Wisconsin, and Cedar Rapids, Iowa. That's a lot of people from one point whatever billion that they have in India and in that subcontinent to people in Minnesota. He's very, very busy, and his wife, Jolinda, works very, very closely with him. I was very privileged to have traveled with David and Jolinda, my wife and I, to Sri Lanka and India in the year 2018. So, David, what's going on? Well, things have really changed uh, remarkably. Uh, I first got notice uh, that there was something amiss here. Probably about the third week of March, I received an email from an elder uh, there in the country. He's an elder in the uh, Colombo Sri Lanka congregation by the name of Frank Reckerman. And Frank mentioned that there was some genuine concern here after the after effects of COVID that, that it had brought not only on the world, but particularly in his country. And the people there in Sri Lanka had begun facing hardships, of course, when COVID hit. It was just economically devastating, as it was for many other countries. But he said now that they had opened up, he said things were actually getting worse. And they were coming to some hardships that were unparalleled in their lifetimes. He told me, Mr. Schreiber, he said, I have never seen it this bad in my lifetime. In fact, I don't think it's ever been this bad since we've been a nation, an independent nation, since 1948. Wow. Vic, you talked about the inflation and it's it's skyrocketed. I mean, it wasn't bad in 2021. Their annual inflation rate was less than 6%. But by January of 2022, it, it got to an annualized rate of 16.8. So it, it nearly tripled. By February, it hit 17.5 annual rate. By March, it hit 22%. In fact, June's rate just came out recently in an annual inflation rate of 55%. So this inflation is wreaking havoc in the economy. In fact, uh, they're, they're theorizing it could hit 70% for the month of July. Pretty serious. Countries in a tailspin. I know we went together with Dave and Jolinda, as mentioned, uh, to visit Sri Lanka and India. And when we came to Colombo, I was so impressed. I was so impressed by the tempo of the city. The, of course, it's got, I'm not sure, five, six million people, maybe more or so. It's just a very, very populous city, but it seems to have been very prosperous. And we had a get together with the church socially Friday night in a very happy environment. We had a Kingdom of God seminar. We had church services and we had the elder. He was not elder at that time who took us out to a nice restaurant called The Sizzler there. And I thought, this is, am I really in Sri Lanka, am I really, you know, in this part of the world? And then to see it come to a terrible slide like this. And I know, David, last year in May, I believe it was, we did a podcast. We talked about the severity of COVID 
was I was going through notes. And you know what happened, Dave, is that I was looking at those notes and I thought you were talking about May this year. And of course, it was May a year ago, but it was terrible at that time. And it really wreaked a lot of havoc. But David, tell us what, what, what people are having to go through now when they are hit with 55 to 70% inflation on an annualized rate. Well, there's there's a lot of things that are happening for them. And, and what this means for people on the ground is that the crisis has turned their daily lives into an endless cycle of just waiting in lines for basic goods, uh, many of which are being rationed. And in recent weeks, uh, a lot of small businesses and shops have been forced to close because they can't run their refrigerators, their air conditioners, their fans. Uh, soldiers are stationed at gas pumps uh, to try to calm the customers who are lining up for hours and sometimes even days in searing heat to fill their tanks. So the inflation rate, we, we've touched on that already. You know, some of the basics uh, that's, that's important to them over there is just milk powder. That's increased by 300% since February. LP gas cylinders, uh, we can imagine those that you've got for your grills here in the United States. They use them to cook. So they'll fill up an LP gas cylinder, put it under uh, their cabinet underneath their stove, and then they'll draw, you know, they'll have a line hooked up to their stove. That's how they cook. That's increased by 300%. In fact, <clears throat> even with the big increases in price, there is a huge shortage of stocks uh, for LP gas cylinders. And so there are long queues um, for just getting your cylinder filled after it runs out. There are long queues for petrol and diesel in the fuel stations. And in fact, uh, you may have seen some of the pictures that I sent to you. It, it makes for serious traffic congestion as they're lined up around the block several times in different lines that are, are miles long. So these are things that, uh, that they're dealing with. To add to this, they've got a power crisis in the country that they're facing now. Sri Lanka relies mainly on hydropower but a good contribution to the power grid comes from generators that are powered by diesel. And the scarcity of diesel in the country and a major breakdown of the only coal-powered electricity generating plant they have has resulted in implementation of daily power cuts. So on average at this time, they don't have power three to five hours a day during the daytime and a couple of hours at night. So their routine, uh, their work schedules are actually being altered to suit the changing daily power outages. Yeah, then it gets very hard to do any manufacturing or running any kind of business that has machinery run. Of course, with all of this that's been going on now for months, then the political unrest began and uh, people started coming into the streets uh, from various organizations. They were communicating with each other on social media and there was a demand for the government leaders to step down. Theft and violence were on the rise. Uh, the police uh, had announced for people to be more careful and vigilant in public places and even in their homes. And then, of course, with, with the rising of prices and with essential items, you know, Sri Lanka imports right now, lately in the last, uh, since 2019, they've imported a whole lot more than they've exported. So this is not a good financial situation that's going on. So now food shortages uh, that they import are getting worse. The markets and retail stores are beginning to have empty shelves for some food items. The Sri Lankan foreign debt obligations have skyrocketed uh, in the last couple of years. And the country uh, back in March was near to defaulting on its debt and it actually did default in April of 2022. So 
They're just beginning to discuss a form of bailout from the IMF, which is the International Monetary Fund. But they're, the, the IMF is going to be very careful. They're going to make certain demands here for the country. There's been a lot of corruptions. A lot of politicians have gotten wealthy in Sri Lanka, various uh, areas of uh, the economy. And some of the banks aren't as independent as they should be. So the IMF is going to, to make some demands here. But you know, all of this takes time. Well, what about the Chinese? Have the Chinese come in there to offer their assistance like they have in some of the other places in the world? <laughs> well, that's a good question. I, I don't think they've done much. Uh, in fact, China has loaned a lot of money to Sri Lanka. There have been many major projects, uh, infrastructure projects from the airport to the to expressways, to kind of a port city that they're expanding some uh, of the shoreline in Colombo. They have borrowed a lot of money to Sri Lanka for some of these projects. Sri Lanka asked for a restructuring of this debt. China says, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and I think China's thinking that they don't want to do that probably for various reasons. They want to get paid, number one, maybe a little sooner with maybe some help with the IMF. And number two, I don't think they want to set a precedent uh, with other countries that they've been loaning money with, that they're going to uh, allow things to be eased with uh, restructuring debt. So China has not really come to their rescue. Mm -hmm. Well, I know that in some of the other African countries that are also basket cases economically, that uh, the Chinese almost will, with the country's default, the Chinese will just simply own. They'll own the airports, they'll own uh, property, they'll own everything. And so they kind of win in the end. Well, and that's certainly a biblical principle, too, in the scriptures. It talks about that the borrower will serve the lender. And uh, they, the Chinese are definitely going to have uh, the upper hand here on what's going to happen uh, in Sri Lanka. They're going to have, uh, I don't know how it's all going to work out, but uh, there's a lot of money that's owed to China from Sri Lanka. Well, one thing that really strikes me about Sri Lankan people is that they were some of the warmest and kindest and enthusiastic people that we've ever met, you know, even in our church culture. When, when we got there, the church, uh, you know, greeted us. We had a Friday night social activity at one of the homes where it seemed like most of the church came. Everybody was singing, happy, and just rejoicing. Then we had church services, a Kingdom of God seminar. You know, it was just absolutely wonderful. And also our history with the church going back to Worldwide Church of God days, plus what we've had in United Church of God, has been a very joyous one. We've had congregations in that country. Uh, we've had a school project uh, years back. Uh, we have a strong tradition with the Sri Lankan uh, people. Yeah, it's it's been a challenging time, particularly not only for the whole country, but for our members as well. But, you know, it's remarkable here when it comes to our members, and I'm talking with uh, Mr. Reckerman, Mr. Frank Reckerman from overseas, and he says, you know what? He says, despite everything that we are going through, we're blessed because our, our health is good. If you've been following the news or some of your listeners have, there's a medical crisis over there. They can't get the medical supplies that they need. And so it's not a good time to have to go into the hospital and have a surgery. In fact, they're postponing surgeries. That's just part of the crisis here that are the result of everything that's going on here. But he said that they, we've been in good health, we're in good spirits. And he said, and, and we're all going through this together. And so we're, we're helping each other as much as we can. And so uh, it's been a real, real challenge, uh, no doubt, uh, with what's happened in Sri Lanka is probably one of the biggest hotspots in the world right now for an economic catastrophe. 
uh, based on what has all taken place here between the pandemic and between some mismanagement uh, of some of the rulers here. So it, it's been an extremely challenging time. And as Sri Lanka begins to make the world news, interestingly, financial and political experts are being interviewed and it's beginning to come out in news stories as they look closely at the economic decline of Sri Lanka, that it actually began a long time before the pandemic hit the country in February of 2020. And COVID-19, of course, did go on to worsen the situation, but really decades of bad policy, mismanagement, bribes, uh, corrupt politics have ruined the country. And now the country is facing political and social unrest in addition to the collapse of the economy. You know, it was right around, I think around April 9th or so that protests began to be organized in the country. They were staged in front of the old parliament secretariat in Gullface in the heart of Colombo Fort and another in front of the prime minister's office. And after about 30 straight days of 24 seven protests through the night, after 30 days around May 9th, which is kind of a significant date, the prime minister Mahinda Raka Pasaka resigned and also the ministers of health and labor. And by the end of the 30 day of protests, over 40 homes and offices of the ruling party politicians were burned down around the country. Uh, many of the ruling party henchmen were injured as well. Many buses and vehicles that they used to travel to Colombo were destroyed and over 200 people were hospitalized and three have died. So we can see now it's turned from an economic situation into a political and social one at all. I know that you mentioned the term that uh, it could become catastrophic. It could become catastrophic. So this is, we're now entering the catastrophic phase of it? Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, on the day that the prime minister, uh, Mahinda Rahapaksa, resigned, the then president and also brother of Mahinda, Godabaya Rahapaksa, imposed a 48-hour curfew. But even then, the protesters continued to take the street, really defying the orders, while the armed forces and the police really couldn't do much but just stand by. They were pretty much helpless. The, the crowds were so significant. The protesters and the majority of the people of Sri Lanka are, were wanting the president, the members of his political party, and the ruling party to step down. And they were not vowing at that time to settle for anything less. And so that has become part of the catastrophe as well. And so eventually, you may have heard in the news, uh, the president, uh, Gotabaya, did step down. I think it was around July 14th or so that he did step down. And that's the first time that that has ever happened in the history of Sri Lanka, where the president has resigned since they got their independence in 1948. I might just mention for context, I'm not sure if I mentioned the date today, but today is July 26th, 2022. So... Uh, just how things have happened. I know that when Dave started writing to me uh, about the crisis, he was uh, commenting on a memo from, I believe, Frank Reckerman that was written in March, and we got the first ones in April, and then it's just really, really escalated here. Right, and actually the, the situation <clears throat> has gotten worse rather than Betty, uh, better, even up to this time, because now the, uh, the lines for the queues for the petrol and the diesel they're actually even longer than what they were when things started to break in March and in April. And so there's a serious shortage of some essential uh, diesel and petrol in the country, and that's brought a lot of business to a standstill. So the economic crisis is definitely very much there right now. 
Well, then standing in line all that time, I believe you mentioned in some cases 12 hours to more that they had to stand in line and one person just kind of gave up and went joined another line. I don't know what good that would, would have done. But I'm just saying is that it's been just very, very frustrating for people to just function that way, wondering where this is going to end. Yeah, one, one member drove uh, 20 miles trying to find petrol one night from 1 in the morning till about 3.30 in the morning, only to come back home disappointed with nothing. Another member stayed from 12 midnight to 12 noon the next day in a gas queue, only to find out that the stocks would not be delivered to the trader as was expected. So he then went on to stay in another supplier's queue. So those are the types of dynamics that are happening. If you can imagine, we've not seen anything like that quite in our country. Uh, maybe back in the 1970s under President Nixon, we had some gas lines, but nothing like uh, what Sri Lanka is going through right now. No, we just drive up to Costco right now. <laughs> we can complain about the gas prices a little bit, but we just fill it up, you know, and, and we just take it for granted. Yeah, very good point, uh, Vic. Even though our gas prices are high, like you say, we can pull up to the pump and there's no long lines and we just fill up. And so uh, the dynamics are very different in Sri Lanka right now. I was amazed also about the uh, value of money that's decreasing. You mentioned one uh, anecdote there about the fact that one government store was robbed. You know, they took they took the food off the shelves, but they left the money in a till. <laughs> the, the money was sort of secondary in value. Well, that, that seems to be an indication of what, what the value, true value really is, doesn't it? Yeah, between the economic crisis, which is serious, and the, they've had an agricultural crisis, believe it or not. You know, it's like the perfect storm in a bad way. Uh, the government recently made a decision to prohibit the use of chemical fertilizers in order to transition agriculturally to 100% organic. And that's had really a huge negative impact on the agricultural industry on these farmers. Experts predict that this legislation would have a tragic effect on agricultural development because organic farming reduces the output by about half. So this is some of the things that are going on too. They had a tax cut recently where the, the government offered an unsolicited value-added tax cut and income tax tax cut to the taxpayers. And this, at the same time now, with everything that's going on, has also led to an extreme loss of government revenue, resulting in rating agencies now downgrading the sovereign credit rating of the country. And so it makes it harder, of course, to borrow. So there's all of these things that are going on here at the same time. Well, that kind of explains the only solution is just to print more money. This makes inflation skyrocket. Oh, it's just what's happening in the world, Sri Lanka just being only one hot spot. But it just shows how we're all connected. And we have these food crises, like the one in Sri Lanka, like the one in Eastern Europe, you know, with other laws being passed possibly to hurt what's happening in the United States. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I get the question a lot. What What's the latest changes in the government over there? I think I touched on the fact that the, the then president, Gotabaya Rahapaksa, he resigned on July 14th while out of the country, interestingly, in Singapore. As president, he had held immunity from arrest, but he said he wanted to go abroad before stepping down to avoid the possibility of being detained. So now after he resigned, or I guess you could say was ousted, uh, 225 members of the parliament then secretly balloted for a temporary president. And the new president is a veteran politician, Wickram Nsenge, who was born in Sri Lanka, or sworn in Sri Lanka as the new president uh, just recently. Now, he's got a history there because he's a six-time prime minister. 
But the, the thing is, is that he is very much considered by the populace and some of these protesters as pretty much in with the old regime. So this selection has not pleased most of the people in Sri Lanka. So that, that's kind of a problem. And so that means that this, this social and political situation may be ongoing. In fact, many of them actually asked this new president who's just been named temporarily to fill out the rest of the term of the old president, which is actually two years to go. They asked him to resign even the next day after he was appointed. So his appointments received mixed reactions. And so that, that's an issue that's maybe going to be still ongoing here in this country. Well, I guess going to work for some of the politicians is <laughs> what's going to happen today at work. <laughs> is it going to be my head or what? So anyway, that's, that's very, very sad, David, what's happening to the country, the lack of confidence in the politicians, the corruption that's taking place, and everybody just trying to hang on and care for themselves first with an attitude of after me, you're first. Now, one, I'd like to turn now, Dave, uh, a little bit now to the members of the Church of God, United Church of God in Colombo, and what some of their needs are. You know, we have long history of people going to Sri Lanka for the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, I know people talk with great um, longingness, you know, for the wonderful Feast of Tabernacles out there in the eastern part of the country. And now they're hearing about all these shortages and how do they affect our people? And uh, what can we do to help? I know that there was a call for empty containers for LP gas. What has been done to help and what we can do further to help? Yeah, um, it's been devastating economically, uh, the pandemic, of course, and what's happened since. Uh, many of our members are self-employed. Some of them are, actually several of them are in the transportation industry where they basically provide taxi services uh, with these three-wheel tuk-tuks. And so this has just been absolutely shattering. I mean, first of all, they, they can't get the fuel, the petrol that they need. And second of all, uh, you know, it's so expensive to travel. So that has just been a serious economic impact uh, to our self-employed brethren in the transportation industry. And so we realize that. And so some of the things that we've done, uh, uh, we've received some funding uh, from our local congregations here, as well as LifeNets and, and GoodWorks actually to provide uh, some just some funds for them to be able to pay their rent and some essential foodstuffs and those types of things. And so there are several families that we've we've been able to help that way. Mr. Reck Frank Reckerman came up with the idea that with these cylinders, the, if you see the pictures, the lines are long. They have these blue cylinders. It must be a particular company that they have these blue LP cylinders lined up for for blocks and blocks or people are waiting to refill. So he came up with the idea of coming up with a funding for to purchase a second cylinder. These cylinders for a family of four last about a month and a half. So once you have one full, then you've got a month and a half to get your second one filled so you can be able to cook without having to wait uh, for days and days when your LP cylinder runs out. So that's something that we had to pay quite a bit of money to get. They were going up in price, as you can imagine, two to three times their normal price. And we were even fortunate to get them at that cost. So that's something that we've done to help them. And that's been a real big help for them. And because of the power outages, we also uh, procured some, some assistance to be able to buy some rechargeable and battery backup lights. And that has been a huge help. And of course, those are hard to find now because they're in such big demand. But 
we've been trying to be on top of the situation where we can kind of take some of those needs and uh, get the purchases done before those stocks have completely run out. Okay, so that's very interesting, you know, to know. I know that you had mentioned also. Well, you, maybe we can we kind of segue into that from this next question. Do the people get together on the Sabbath every week or every other week, or what's that situation? And I know that you had mentioned a need for laptops for more group Zoom community uh, gatherings. Yes, uh, because of, of of the inability now for public transportation and people to get petrol to be able to to drive to services, whether it be by car or by motorcycle or by tuk-tuk. We have just recently gone to Zoom Sabbath services. But that being said, most of the brethren there don't have the devices that we have. They've got these small little handheld uh, smartphones. And so we discussed the possibility of maybe some of the overseas people or brethren could possibly uh, help us by uh, procuring some usable secondhand laptops maybe that uh, aren't being used anymore, but uh, could possibly be available to uh, our overseas brethren in Sri Lanka so that they could have church services and be able to view that just a little bit better than with the smartphones. So that's one thing that we've talked about. We also talked about if it would be possible, uh, we're trying to build up an emergency food reserve for them. We've heard that there's a possibility in August that there's gonna be a huge food shortage. So we've already uh, tried to talk about uh, getting a 30-day emergency food supply So for each of the families there so that, I mean, it would be kept only if absolutely needed, but that would be there. We have uh, been working and we've actually procured that, but now we're talking about a second 30-day supply. So that would be a total of 60-day supply. So those are the things we're talking about and also about possibly shipping non-perishable food products over to them. Although shipping costs are so expensive and there is a question of whether they'll even be accepted by the Sri Lankan uh, post office because they, they don't take certain foods. So we're looking at possibly some financial help so they can buy the food that still is available on the shelves there. Well, we'll have to keep that uh, very much in mind. I know that we have gone up and down with shipping. Sometimes it's a government program. We used to work with USAID and the State Department for shipping containers, but those programs come and go. So we'll just have to check into that. Dave, you may want to give your email address for people who would like to know more about how they could help. And I'll also mention before you do that, is that we will have a page up on the LifeNet's website here concurrent with the posting of this podcast that will include photos of what's going on there and also contact information and also a place where you can make a donation strictly for uh, for uh, Sri Lanka. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, please tell us, give us contact information. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Thank you, Vic. Uh, my email address and anyone's welcome to email me and contact me with any question they might have or if they have a, a question of how they might be able to help. Uh, my email address is david.schreiber, and I'll spell Schreiber for you because it often gets misspelled. Schreiber is spelled S-C-H-R-E-I, B as in boy, E-R. So it's david.schreiber, then the number 70, 70, at gmail.com. So david.schreiber70 at gmail.com. Well, good. Well, we'll have that also posted on our website so that you can see that on the LifeNet's website. Well, Dave, you know, I know that these memos have been coming through from the month of uh, March. 
I thought, Dave, I've got to call Dave and we've got to do a podcast and let people know about this because people do ask me, uh, well, it's what's happening in Sri Lanka. And, you know, I know that we wire money for you and send it through PayPal, but I just didn't get the full gravity on, of this until I reread all the memos going back to March. Well, appreciate you this bringing you this uh, to the attention of your listeners, Vic. I mean, um, it's as serious now, if not more serious, even than what it was when I started hearing about it in March. And it is finally now making the world news. Uh, you know, I, I was getting the information, of course, from the locals there, and I was trying to alert people to this. Uh, but, you know, in the United States, often we, we focus on the U.S. news. But I see now even the U.S. is reporting this, and it's pretty well known now uh, about how serious this situation is in Sri Lanka. Well, we'll very much have that on our mind, our thoughts and prayers. I might mention too, is that Frank Reckerman contacted me today and we'll be doing a podcast as well. So we'll have one more closer to the street. And that'll be good because he is right there on the ground and, and you'll be able to provide the right up-to-date information for you. And uh, I think you'll find that to be an interesting conversation. Well, I've really, though, wanted to talk to you first because I know you very, very well. And I know that you have kind of a bird's eye or just a very much overall view, not only uh, as, as pastor, but also uh, just in providing help in the needs. So we'll get these two stories out there for people to hear it. I know that there are many, many people who are interested in what's happening in Sri Lanka. I still have happy memories, they say, about going there, visiting there, involved with the school, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we hope those times will re return, but appreciate uh, your listeners. Any help that they can provide uh, would be very much appreciated at this very difficult time. I might also ask, I guess, has Australia been supportive? I understand that they have given some help too. Uh, yes, we have received some assistance from LifeNets Australia uh, for our Sri Lankan brethren. And so, uh, in fact, that was unsolicited. I think they were just hearing from people that they knew in the country, and they were wondering, is there anything that, that they can do to help? So that was very much appreciated. We have appreciated the Australians. They have formed their own LifeNets organization, and they have been extremely generous and extremely sensitive uh, to what's happening in different parts of the world. This, of course, is more in their quadrant, you know, in the uh, you know, Indian Ocean, you know, even though it's still far away, it's a lot closer to, for them than, than for us. So, Dave, is there anything else you'd like to say? No, just uh, thanks for the opportunity, to, uh, Vic, to be able to share some of what's going on over there to the listeners. Uh, there's a lot of information floating around, but hopefully we've been able to summarize it in a way that uh, makes a little bit more sense. So appreciate this opportunity. And I want to thank you for all that you have done and also for what Jolinda has done. She has been absolutely fabulous. I, I just want to comment. My wife and I looked upon our travel to India through, you know, after Sri Lanka, you know, to the area of Mizoram and Andhra Pradesh and vis doing Kingdom of God seminars and visiting all the people as one of the highlights, frankly, of our life. Uh, we thoroughly appreciated and enjoyed that and will cherish that always. So and also our friendship and the foursomes that <laughs> traveled there. So anyway, thank you, Dave. You're most welcome. Okay, well, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us here today on the Cubic Report. If you enjoyed or benefited from this podcast, please let a friend know about the Cubic Report. You can find us very easily now. Go to any address bar on, the comp on your computer, whether it be the URL for for whatever, just type in The Cubic Report and you will find us. You'll find us on Amazon, on Audible. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, 
and other sources as well. We have really been very blessed of getting our word out to all. So thank you very much. We'd love to hear from you. We'd like to get feedback from you. You can write to us at vcubic at gmail.com. That's V-K-U-B-I-K at gmail.com. And also, Dave gave his address, and we'll have this also on our page and in the notes accompanying this podcast. So thank you for listening. Come back soon for more.